We are in James tonight. Uh, we're just covering it for like eight weeks in the summertime. And tonight, I'll be honest, is, was like one of the more convicting little sermons, times of study I've ever had personally. Um, I may be the most disqualified to preach a sermon than any other sermon I've ever preached. But it's God's word, and so we're going to look at God's word let it kind of like humble us and just hurt a little, but it, it will be good. Um, tonight is on the tongue. So we're going to read every verse that James has to talk about our tongue and how we speak um, and how we should think about the tongue. So we're actually going to be in chapter 1, 3, and 5. I'm going to read a couple verses out of James chapter 1, then I'll read 12 verses out of James chapter 3, and then one verse out of James chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start at James 1, verse 19 and 20. And then we'll skip around. So let's do it. James 1, 19 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Just real quick, I like that he says beloved because he's about to get pretty intense. So he's like, just so you guys know, I love you. Know this, beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of of God. Now skip down to verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Then skip ahead to chapter 3 and we're going to read 12 verses, the first 12 verses out of chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water." And then we're going to read one verse out of chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. It's the word of God. Let's pray. Jesus, I am so thankful that you love us. 
You love us so much, Jesus, that you are, you are willing to leave heaven and to die for us. And you also love us enough to speak to us, God, and to correct us. And um, God, just even as tonight, as we just like wrestle with your word and as we just submit to your word and as we let your word like do its work in our hearts, God, even if, if it hurts or we're convicted or we're just caught red-handed, like, man, I do not obey that. Lord, I thank you that that's your love for us, that in your love, you use your book, your, your, the Bible, the sword of the spirit, like a scalpel, and it just cuts away things that need to go so that we could have life. God, thank you that you love us enough that you would cut us and, and, and perform surgery that would save our life. So tonight we just submit to you, Lord. Would, would I just be faithful to teach nothing other than what you have spoken in your word? Do a deep good work in us and, and above all, help us to, to see the glory and beauty of Jesus tonight. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So like I said, um, as I was preparing this sermon, you guys, I just had to like take breaks because I was just so honestly just like, oh, I am the worst and I've been the worst. Um, I've, I, I am more guilty of not obeying these verses than any other verses probably in the Bible, to be honest with you. My life from like the moment I started speaking to now, I've gotten, my tongue has gotten me in more trouble than anything else I have, like anything else that I've done. Um, if you guys know me on a personal level, you've probably seen me just or heard me say some pretty ridiculous things. Uh, I've probably hurt your feelings. I've probably offended you. Uh, I've probably apologized many times. God has given me just quite a tongue. Like it just goes, right? And so on the one hand, it's like, all right, cool. I, I can like teach the Bible because I can speak well. But then on the other hand, I just get myself into trouble a lot. And so I honestly would read and remember something in my life and just this horrible story of my tongue. And I would just sit there and be like, Gosh, Lord, I am such an idiot. Thank you for your love. So I'm just uh, approaching this right now uh, humbly and just saying, this is God's word. This is not my advice to you or my wisdom. I am with you in this, uh, working to bridle my tongue. So let's, let's do this. Um, there's actually eight. I, I just looked through all of these verses and there are essentially eight truths that James wants us to see and notice and submit to in the book of James about our tongue. Uh, but before we get into those eight points, eight points real quick, no problem. Uh, I want us just to notice the very first words he says in chapter one, verse 19. He says this, know this, my beloved brothers. Just sit on those words for a really quick second. Know this. Um, speaking of the tongue, God has spoken. God like has a tongue metaphorically and he has spoken and his, he's spoken in and through his word. So right now, as what we're about to do, we're just gonna study and look at God's word. Just know God speaks to you. Like God speaks to you so that you can actually know something. Remember he says, hey, know this. Don't, hey, just think about this or consider this or have your own opinions. Like he is saying God has spoken so that you can know something. That's just good news. I, I probably say that every other sermon, but just thank God that you can know something about God that is true. When we read God's word, when God opens his mouth and speaks with his tongue, we can know truth. So right now, we're gonna hear from the Holy Spirit. He wrote something. So hear this, know this. We're gonna consider what God has to say about the tongue. Know this. Point number one, 
We need to hear quickly and speak slowly. That's the first thing James, uh, through the Holy Spirit, is saying, know this, you need to hear quickly and speak slowly. Verse 19, be quick to hear, slow to speak. As uh, what, what's just cool about how God has designed things is he's like, hey, I want you, at, when you gather, to open my word, and I want only maybe one person to speak and everyone else to be quiet and listen. I just love that as we do this, it's metaphorically like, God's like, hey, everyone should just be quiet and hear what I have to say. Just as God has designed it, he's like, this isn't time for us to just have, conver- there's, there's nothing wrong with us having conversation about God, but there's something sacred to us like sitting underneath God's word, closing our mouth and hearing God speak. He's saying, open your ears and listen and, and, and don't be quick to speak. Just take it in. And you know, it's cool. Like right now, just you are honoring God with your mouth shut and your ears open to his word. That's just what, an, that's like, this is an act of worship. This, what we're doing right now is this holy thing that we're, we're closing our mouths and we're listening to the word of God be taught. And uh, God says elsewhere in Proverbs, I'm gonna read a lot of Proverbs. James is kind of like a New Testament Proverbs. He says this, whoever in Proverbs 17, 28, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. This is funny. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. God is just like, hey, if you want people to think you're smart, just don't talk actually. And people are like, man, that person, they, they really, I just, they have some wisdom, you know? He, God's like, just, just close your mouth and people will be impressed with how smart you are. It's funny, right? But we do the opposite. We're like, no, let me just show you how smart I am. And what do we normally do? We just like display. I do this all the time. I display my foolishness to the world. Hey, look how smart I am. Everyone's like, man, that guy, he's an idiot. So it's just, just close your mouth and listen. Here's what I'm so guilty of. Maybe some of you. Have you ever been in a conversation and you just finish someone's sentence like you know what they're going to say, but you're not right? That happens to me every day, all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this. And they're like, and usually people are nice. Like, yeah, but actually what I was wanting to say is this. And I don't know why. I think I'm being like efficient. Like, let's move this conversation along. And it takes like twice as long because they're like, well, no. And then let me actually say what I want to say. I just look foolish. And God is saying, hey, just close your mouth and listen. Uh, Jewish rabbis used to say, this is a quote of what Jewish rabbis in Jesus' day used to say. You've probably heard something like this. This is the reason why we have two ears and only one mouth. That way we may hear more and speak less. The ears are always open, ever ready to receive instruction. But the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and keep it within proper bounds. That's just fine. I think there's something profound to that. God's like, you need two rows of teeth and a lips to close this and then fight it closed. But these, you can't close your ears, right? I mean, and if I, if I were to be honest, that'd be nice. Like, sorry, my ears were closed. I didn't hear you. But we don't have that option. They're always open. We're always open. Now, uh, if we're honest, our age, this is a hard truth. And I'll say it out of love and to myself. We have far more to learn than we have to offer. Just hear that. We, you, me, have far more to learn than we have to offer. And so we would just do better in life to just be quiet and learn and listen than 
offer the world our great wealth of knowledge, right? We would probably just do better to just listen more and speak less. Um, You know, the only value of someone who teaches the Bible is, is not like, man, this person's got this great wisdom. I don't, I'm not up here, you guys, because I have this great wisdom. What I do all week, my only job is to sit here and listen and try and figure out, God, what have you said? And then how can I just faithfully explain what you have said? Um, and so here's, here's another warning for us as we're young. We're, we're just prone. I think everyone when we're young, we're prone to kind of like look at older people and be like, ah, like, yeah, they were, you know, they maybe know some things, but they don't know what it's like to be me in this time right now. And, and like, so I don't really want to listen to them. I think we especially think of that, we, we have that attitude when it comes to like faith, when it comes to like learning from, about God from someone older than us, like even pastors or preachers. I think we kind of just like, like someone who's like younger and hipper, like 30s, maybe 40s, like, okay, yeah, they're cool. But like, if they're 50 or 60, you know what? They probably don't have much to say. And I, here's just a warning for all of us. Beware of novel preachers. Beware of pastors who seem to be teaching something new, some new amazing insight, like they've figured it out. Like no person is wiser than God. No person, his ways are higher than God's ways. And so whenever you're like listening to teaching, just make sure like, man, is this, is this from what God has spoken? Have they, have they been listening all week to what God has spoken? Or are they just speaking to me of their new great you know, wisdom. We should always be checking what people are teaching us with, because they have been listening to the word of God. And, and then practically, you guys, this is just essential. If we want to follow Jesus, let's commit to like opening and hearing from God every day, like on our own. And that like, we may not be Greek scholars and Hebrew scholars and oh, wow, like, I, like, like that's okay. But let's just even just make it a discipline for a few minutes. I want to sit and close my mouth and listen to God speak. Like if, if I want to follow Jesus, this is like, I want, to, I want to make it a practice to listen to the Lord. One more practical thing, um, because he mentions, he, you notice he ties be slow to speak with slow to anger, like they're very related. Um, what if the next time you were upset with somebody, you committed to like, I will not talk about this for 24 hours? What if, you, what if we did that? Like the next time I, my feelings are hurt and I cannot believe what they did, I know in my own life I have done so much damage in 24 hours after that moment, right? And then like your emotions come down and you think clearly and you're like, oh, I just made this way worse now and I have to deal with this. What if the next time your feelings were hurt or someone has done something wrong to you, uh, you didn't discuss it with somebody else and you just maybe took it to God for just a day and just like, just, just sought just to close your mouth and just wait. I think that God would just like, I think we would keep ourselves from a lot of trouble if we did that. What, what would it do for our relationships? You're like, do not, I'm just gonna close my mouth in this moment. Do you know what I do? I like just strike back like right away. And I've said some of the saddest, most hurtful things just as a direct response to my hurt feelings. Um, I'll just share one story because uh, maybe this will resonate with some of us. Um, I, I really value truth. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to speak truth always, no matter what. No matter, no matter what this person needs, no matter if it's gonna do any good or any bad, like this is not right and I will speak this truth. And I typically do it often when I'm angry and like this isn't right and I'm gonna speak truth. And I've done a lot of damage in that. Um, one time when I was, well, most of my 
worst stories are when I was in high school. Um, I was a foolish high schooler, and the whole school knew it, and all my teachers knew it. And they just endured, like, oh my gosh, here comes Bo, he's in my class. And we, uh, I, was, I was taking a final in Spanish, and I had a question, like, wait, what am I supposed to do here? And so I raised my hand, and I asked the question, but because I've been a fool all year, my, prof- or my teacher looks at me, and he just says, minus 10%. And I was like, are you serious? And then, of course, I just had to defend myself. And so I start defending myself, and he's all minus 20%. And the whole class is like, oh my gosh. And at that point, I was like, this is wrong. You have no idea. You don't know what I was going to ask. My heart was good. He's all, minus 30%. And I, I was so upset, you guys. And I'm just making a fool of myself in front of the class. And I knew it. And I didn't care. I was like, I have to be right. And so I kept going. He's all, minus 40%. I stood up. I like literally was like, I'm out of here. And I just stormed out of the classroom. Just left my final, just thinking like whatever. And I even went to the principal and was like, listen to what this teacher did. And he like had none of it. He had no compassion. He just looks at me like, are you serious right now? And I honestly don't remember what happened with the test, but I was quick to speak (laughs) and I was quick to vent my anger and it only brought guilt. And here's the thing. I wasn't guilty. Like I wasn't wrong, but because I was quick to speak, I just suffered a lot. I was in the right, but I suffered because I was quick to speak about how I was right. So God says, hey, listen, be slow to speak and quick to listen, number one. Number two, an unbridled tongue, meaning like, like uncontrolled tongue, is a worthless tongue. Um, it's cool. James' first point is like, you need to slow your tongue down. His second point is like, you actually need to like control what your tongue does. First one's like, hey, slow it down. The second one's like, you need to control, you have control over your tongue. Meaning you, you should not just speak whatever comes into your mind. You should not just let it go. He says in 126, it's, it's extreme. If anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, this person's religion is worthless. That's pretty heavy. That's like if I do everything right, but I can't control my tongue, God's like, it's your religion is worthless. Um, it's interesting because in our culture, for whatever reason, we like value people who just speak their mind. I don't know why, but we do. We're like, oh yeah. Like to be honest, I think that's why we have our president right now because he just spoke his mind. We're like, yes. Like for some reason, we think that's a value to unbridle your tongue and to just speak freely, boldly, whatever happens to come to mind. But God is like, actually, that's, that's a worthless tongue. A true tongue that has value is able to control it and bridle it. Listen to a couple verses of the pain your unbridled tongue will cause you. Proverbs 18, 7 says, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. You guys, every fight, even not physically, but any kind of fight I've ever been in has been because of my lips. Always, like, my lips are like, come on, let's go. We're going to a fight now. It's always because of my lips and my tongue. What else? An unbridled tongue will lead you into sin. Listen, Proverbs ten nine. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. I don't know, even get that really, but when we speak a lot, we sin a lot. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. 
What else? This is one that I've experienced. Not controlling your tongue hurts your friendships. It's in a Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Like we break friendships when we're repeating matters of what people have done. And then another one, for lack of wood, the fire goes out and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. When we just speak of what people have done and hurt us, like we, we hurt our relationships. You know, this is crazy and I, I, I just display that. When we just speak freely, we're even damaging the truth that we're trying to communicate. Like, no, but listen, this is true. And we may be speaking the truth, but if we're doing it in a way that is just unbridled, we're, we're making worthless the truth that we are speaking. Um, you know, like, if, if we have friends who are doing something dumb, we can speak truth in such a way that they're not going to listen to us. Like, they're like, dude, wh- whatever. You, wh- why are you speaking to me? You don't really care about me because we just let our tongue go. Part of, part of what it means to bridle our tongue is to have, like, gentleness to, to how we speak. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath. Um, again, when I was in high school, I thought it was like I was the hero, just stand up for a class, stand up against the man, and I would like let my tongue just be unbridled. There was another time in another Spanish class for whatever reason, and um, we were collectively, like you know the times when you're in class and like you're getting like a collective scolding by the teacher, like the teacher's like, I cannot believe what you guys are doing. And so we just took a test and we all did really bad on this test. And so she was just up there telling us how disappointed she was. Um, and it was like an AP Spanish class. So, and at the time I was like, do you know what? She's, the reason why we did bad is because is of her. Because like, we're the smart kids. So if we didn't do good, it's obviously her. And so I took it upon myself to stand up for the class. And I was like, do you know what, Mrs. So-and-so? To be honest, we're all pretty smart. And like, this is like AP Spanish, whatever. I think the reason we did so poorly is because you're a bad teacher. Like I said that, I, that, that came out of my lips. And, and uh, the whole class was like, at first everyone's shocked, but then like someone else like got courage and they were like, yeah, like, and then, and then like the class, like it like released a dam of just words. And then she, she was speechless, you guys. And then she began to just cry. She stood in front of us and just cried. And like, we were just like a mob and we had no compassion. And we were like, yeah, like we did. And we just kept going and she just stood there and took it and cried. And then after like, I don't know, a while, she just walked out of the class. It was like, and I think at a certain point we're like, wow, that, I don't know. I think maybe I was just like, yeah, we're right. But here's the thing. Jesus is like, your religion is worthless at that point. All of what you've ever done for me and all this time you spent with me, it is worthless because you cannot bridle your tongue. So the first one is be slow to speak. The second one is control your tongue. The third one is this. Don't be quick to teach. This is now we're in uh, chapter three, verse one. He says, not many of you should become teachers for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I think it's always been this way, humans. Like the job of using one's tongue to teach others has always just been like envied. Like, oh yeah, that's the job I want. Like who doesn't want to be noticed and listened to? 
And who, you know, and like, who wants the other job? Like, who wants the job of like setting up the chairs before anyone gets here? Like, nobody wants that job. Everyone wants the job that people see. And Jesus, but here's the thing. Jesus says, hey, if you want to be the greatest, you, you know what the greatest person in this room is? The one who serves the most and who is unseen. And Jesus is saying, there are actually jobs to be envied and teaching isn't one of them. Don't want this job, Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you really want to be great, go serve. Because teachers... I'm going to stand before God for everything I have ever spoken. And um, I don't know, I think that some of us here, like I, I know many of you guys are called to ministry, are in ministry, you teach people in ministry, and, or maybe you have that desire, like I want to be a teacher. Um, and so I just quickly wanted to give a couple reasons why we should not want to teach the Bible or, or to teach others, and a couple reasons why we should. Uh, Okay, number one, you shouldn't teach because you like public speaking. That's not like a valid reason to teach the Bible. You shouldn't even speak because you're good at speaking. Um, You shouldn't teach because you're particularly funny or insightful. Um, And you especially should be very slow to teach if you enjoy the praise of people. That's a huge temptation up here. And it can like consume your mind. Like, what do they think about me? What do they think about me? God gives us a couple reasons why we should teach though. He says, God says, uh, we, should, we should teach if he's just given us this desire, like this call, like this weird supernatural thing, like, man, I think I'm supposed to teach. So, and, and a call, a desire to teach, or a call to teach has two parts. Number one, you, you'll have a desire. But number two, your desire will be confirmed by other people. Some people are like, oh, I'm called to be a preacher. But no one's asking them to preach. And maybe they preach once and was like, Okay, no thank you. As hard as that is, if you're called to teach, you're gonna have a desire to do it and then you're gonna have people affirm your call to do it. Number two reason to teach is because God's truth, God's word is burning in you and you wanna share that, not like your own insight. Another one, this is a really important one for us. A reason you should teach the Bible is because you're willing to teach wherever God asks you to teach, including like children or your coworkers. Uh, you know, we can all envy some pastor on a Sunday morning, but if we're really called to teach, like we'll be teaching. Like it may be your friend, it may be your coworker, it may be like three-year-olds and like, you're like, oh my gosh. But if you really have a gift of teaching, like, you'll love teaching three-year-olds at some level. Like you'll be into it. You'll be faithful with the little God has called you to teach. Another one, this is a hard one, uh, your life is in line with what you teach. Paul said to Timothy when he was just starting, he said, hey, you need to watch your life and your doctrine. You need to, your life needs to match what you teach. Like I need to be able to go home tonight and be able to bridle my tongue. And he says, if you don't do that, you, are disqual- you should not be teaching. It's not enough just to, to know truth. And haven't we all seen people who are really good teachers, but their lives did not bear that out? Like, God will always end by his grace that ministry. Like the life, if anything, our life should be like, people should be like, do you know what? Yeah, they're a good teacher, but like you should get to know them. That's like the goal. That should be how we should approach wanting to teach. Um, the, the last thing I would say if you want to teach is you want to like submit to some like uh, accountability. Uh, again, like it's just be, be careful of teachers who are kind of like rogue teachers or just like off. They're not attached to anybody or anything. Like it's kind of a warning sign. Teachers should like submit and be willing to have someone come up to them after like, hey, actually what you taught, that part wasn't faithful. And you're like, oh, dang it, you're right, I'm sorry. Um, if, if someone's off on their own, that's just like warning sign. If you want to teach, like submit. 
like submit to people and to accountability, even to like elders at a church, if you feel a call to teach. Um, I think many of you guys are called to teach. I know you guys are. So I would just say, teach where there's needs. Teach in children's ministry. Hey, teach in youth ministry. If you can teach in youth ministry, you could teach anyone ever, no matter what. If you teach a fifth grader or a ninth grader, you can teach the universe. That's true. Because if you're bad, they're like, I'm just gonna, (laughs) Travis was teaching you like at one point, and uh, this girl just busts out Harry Potter in the middle of the sermon, just unashamed. Nah, I'm, this is boring. And just busts it out and starts reading. Like, you'll know. Whew, man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that intro was right. You're just like, I, I got to work on this. Like, then Travis obviously a good teacher. But you have to endure stuff like that. If you're, willing, if you're willing to submit yourself to youth ministry, you're humble and faithful and you could pretty much teach anybody ever. So go teach. Go teach wherever their needs are. Um, that's that. Not many of us should be teachers, but if you should, that's what we should do. Number four, James says, uh, a bridal tongue is a mark of maturity, meaning you cannot be a, Christ, a mature Christian and not bridle your tongue. But if you bridle your tongue, it is a sign you are really, truly walking with Jesus. Uh, in chapter three, two, he says, if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. And that word man is man or woman, able to bridle his whole body. What he's saying there is that the word per- perfect uh, in Greek is telos, which just means mature or complete, meaning if you are a mature Christian, you will be able to bridle and control your tongue. Again, like just because someone speaks their mind, that, that's, that's not maturity. Maturity is I can hold in my tongue. And do you know what? He says this. Do you know the last place you'll grow is the ability to hold your tongue? That's the last, that's like the frontier of maturity is being able to control your tongue. And, and why is that? Because our tongue, in some crazy way God has hooked it up, reveals our heart. You know, like we can kind of fake a lot of things, but eventually our tongue will reveal what's going on in here. Um, we've probably all said something, like it, something slips out. And at first we're like, oh, I didn't mean that. But then you have to wonder like, well, where did that come from? Like that actually just revealed what was in your heart. That's why words hurt so much because we can say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. But we all kind of know, well, but it came from somewhere. Like what we say, even what slips out reveals something that's going on. And I would say, if you want a a window to your soul and to your heart, think about what slips out of your tongue. Because that's like, that reveals what your heart is like. Controlling your tongue will will be maturity. Controlling your tongue will lead to so much just hardship being prevented. Um, Proverbs 21 says, whoever keeps his mouth shut, keeps himself out of trouble. Just simple. And you know, I think is uh, the best example. Jesus, our Jesus, was going on a cross to die for your and my sins, to die for the people who were crucifying him. And they were spitting at him and they were mocking him. And do you know what he did? He kept his mouth shut. Like, just think about that. Think about the fact that you're like, I'm, I I don't know why, but whenever I like try to serve somebody and it doesn't go well, my wife knows this, I like get so offended. Like, but I'm serving you and now you're criticizing how I did something, right? Like for me, that's like, I cannot believe that. Jesus was humbling himself and was dying for sinners. And those sinners were mocking him and were beating him. And Jesus kept his mouth shut. Listen to Isaiah 53. It says, he was oppressed. 
talking of the cross, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Here's like a challenge. Have you ever been wrongly accused and you just let it be? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been wrongly treated and just kept your mouth shut? Um, Do you believe that like maybe God sees and will defend you? And that I don't need to like speak and stand up for myself? Uh, I, I worked at Starbucks for three years and you get treated not always the most awesome when you're working at Starbucks. Um, it's funny, it's like, people are like, I just bought your, you for five minutes, so I'm gonna treat you how I want until I get my drink and then I'll release you. And so you just get treated bad and like, there, I just have said some things that I could not believe. Like I, <laughs> um, this woman was like losing her cool about something and I just like snapped back at her and she was stunned. And she walked away and I was actually the manager at the time. And she, five minutes later, calls the store. She's like, can I speak to the manager? And she didn't know that I was the one who just snapped at her. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. You can talk to the manager. And, and she's like, this young man, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And I just, I didn't own it. I didn't do anything. I'm so sorry. I'll make sure we deal with that. And just hung up. Like, I, it, like it's crazy. It's crazy. I was not able to control my tongue. I had to defend myself when I was offended. But here's a practical Here's a prayer we should all say every single day. This is Psalm 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Like, honestly, we should memorize that. Psalm 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Oh, I'm saying so again. I'm just ministering to myself. Psalm 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You know what I love about that? It's like, we need help. Like, we actually need God's help to keep our mouth shut. And we can ask God, God, please help me. Help me not defend myself. Help me keep my mouth shut. Point number five, James says, hey, we should not underestimate the power of our tongue. In chapter three, three through five, he says, we can guard, guide a whole horse with a tiny bit. We can direct a huge ship with a tiny rudder. A whole forest can burn from a single spark. So it is with our tongue. Our tongues are powerful. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, listen, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death, we each have power to kill and to bring something to life with our tongue, every one of you in your mouth, has the power to kill and to bring life. And we have experienced even the smallest words can do serious damage. Um, And some of you can remember just maybe one sentence that was spoken to you that is like, that is with you still. Like maybe something was spoken over you, a lie was spoken about you, maybe from a parent or from a friend or a teacher or a coach. And like those words are still with you. Like you can feel them. Like you can quote those words. That like you guys, there are are words in fourth grade that are like with me in my like mind and have like threatened to like shape my identity and like how I feel like I have to, to like fight and prove people wrong. Like words are powerful. And not only can they do much damage and are they powerful to other people, like they matter to God. Jesus said in Matthew 12, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. I don't even know what to do with that, but 
That's a long list for me. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. James is like, don't underestimate the power of your tongue. But you know what's cool is on the other hand, like our tongues are actually able to do a lot. They are able to bring life. Like you are able to bring much life and much good with your tongue. Proverbs 15, four says a gentle tongue is a tree of life. And in Proverbs 12, eight, it says the tongue of the wise brings healing. Like some of you guys, even tonight as we're worshiping, will like, he, like there will be healing as like you pray for one another, as you confess your sins, as you encourage one another, like you have the power to heal with your tongue, with what you speak. And God says, hey, there's a time to be quiet, but then there is a time to speak. In Ecclesiastes, there's a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. Your tongue has the power to bring someone to the knowledge of Jesus. Your tongue, you have the ability to influence eternity by telling someone of Jesus. And in fact, that's the only way people know about Jesus. They'll never know about what Jesus has done for them apart from a tongue. You can display and show and bear fruit, but people need to hear what Jesus has done. Um, and, and so we're called to, to be willing to speak the truth. Here's, here's the other thing. Like some of us are quick to speak. Some of us are, are naturally like timid and, and we don't want to speak. And there's like things you should speak. There are things that you know you need to address. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's like, there's just something, you know, I need to address this with my tongue. And God's saying there is power when you obey and speak with your tongue. Point number six, James says, we must not be double-tongued in uh, chapter 310. He says, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. God is saying like, hey, we worship him, and then we turn around and that we speak evil. And he's saying that is not, that is not how our tongues should be used. Um, practically, like, we need to, like, watch our mouth for, like, foul language, abusive language. Ephesians 4.29, don't use, this is the NLT, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Um, do you know what else? Like, we need to be, this is so hard for me, when I see something that's wrong, I just want to, I want to speak it and be like, that's wrong. I, can you believe that person did that or said that? And, and uh, listen to Titus 3, chapter one and, or Titus 3, verses 1 and 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Listen, to speak evil of no one. We are called to speak evil of no one. When's the last time? <laughs> like, speak evil of no one. That means like, that literally means Donald Trump. That literally means whoever you're like, I cannot believe that person. God's like, don't speak evil of them. Speak evil of no one. If we want to worship Jesus, he's like, don't be speaking evil of others. Point number seven, our tongue is actually binding. What we say should be held in uh, chapter 512. But above all, brothers, do not swear either by heaven or earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. God's like, hey, you just need to honor your word, honor your commitments. Um, there's a, a Psalm 15 and it says, 
This is the one whom God looks. They swear to his own hurt, meaning you've committed to something and you're like, why did I commit to that? And you go anyways and it hurts and you just, that's what you do. I committed, I've said I will be there and I will do it. God is saying there's, there's not an excuse. If your mouth, if it has come out of your mouth, let it be yes. And he says, if not, you'll fall under condemnation. Like it is serious to God that we would honor what we have spoken. And I'll be honest, I've, I used to be really flaky. And then I read that verse and I was like, dang it. You learn to not be, you learn to just not commit to stuff because you're like, if I commit, I like have to go. And you, you get better. You're like, oh, I'm not going to commit to that. Um, because God's like, I want you to keep your word to your hurt to your own pain. And then the last, the last thing I want to say is this, point number eight. Jesus speaks words over us. Um, in chapter three, verse two, James brought up the fact, he says, we all stumble in many ways. Every one of us is guilty of probably most of these points. I'm guilty of all seven points. Um, we've all spoken words we regret. We've all stumbled in our words. And, and, and then on top of that, like we're guilty. We've said things we shouldn't. On top of that, we have an enemy, Satan. And do you know what he is? He's called the accuser and he's called the liar. And do you know what he does? He takes your failures and your stumblings and he's just all day long is speaking those things to you. Speaking to them as you're trying to worship, you have a real enemy. And he, the Bible says they're like flaming darts. Like he's like in the foyer, like lobbing darts of your sin. And he's reminding you of things you have said and ways you have stumbled. He's reminding you of, of things spoken to you since you were a kid. He's reminding you of things that have shaped your identity. Like that's what Satan does full time to you. He is the accuser. And so we've stumbled and then we have this enemy who's just constantly heaping this over us. But here's what's awesome. Do you know what uh, the Bible, one of the metaphors the Bible uses of Jesus? He's called the word of God. Jesus is called the word. And Jesus, when his blood was shed, Hebrews says, his blood speaks a better word over you. When Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, his blood speaks forgiveness and cleansing over you. Jesus' blood is speaking a new identity to you. If you have trusted in Jesus, Jesus speaks righteousness over you right now. The worst sin you've ever committed, he speaks righteousness and love. And what God the Father said of Jesus, this is my beloved son, my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased, he says that over you. If you are hidden in Christ, you are hidden in the word. And the word came and became flesh and he came after us who have stumbled. And so, on our own, like we, we stand condemned in, our, in our, the ways that our mouth has just ran into trouble. Yet Jesus right now is speaking, hey, I love you and you are forgiven and you are righteous. If you, and, and you know what's so cool, the way we like, re, the way that transaction works is we are called to do something with our mouth. We're called to repent. We're called to like speak and acknowledge what we have done, our sin, our, our, our foolishness. I speak it and I repent. And now I cling to Jesus. That is the way like that transaction works. And then when we speak and repent, Jesus then speaks forgiveness and a new identity over us. And so 
right now we're going to worship. Like we're going we're gonna to spend time in God's presence and we're, we're going to each have an opportunity to respond to God's word by using our words. And like, here's, here's what I encourage all of us to do. On our own, we should do this, but the Bible says there's, there's actually power when we confess to one another. There's healing that comes when we confess. I'm going to encourage us all, like, let's confess a, a way that's like, maybe it's a way our tongues have been speaking wrongly. Maybe it's just a way we've been living wrongly. Maybe for some of us, we need to like speak and acknowledge something that's been spoken over us. Like, man, this has been, this lie is in my head and it's not leaving, and like this is just like a tape playing over and over in my head. Like, let's speak those things, confess those things, repent where we need to. And then here, if if someone's doing that to you, then you have this opportunity, this amazing opportunity to speak the best thing you ever could. You have the best news that Jesus forgives and loves and accepts that person. And that person is forgiven and righteous and blameless. You each, like we get to minister to one another and we should do that tonight. So we're gonna have a prayer team. If, if you came alone or you don't feel comfy with talking to someone next to you, we're gonna have people on both sides who are willing to just like receive c- confession, whatever, pray for you. Um, I'm, I'm gonna encourage us, like find somebody around us and do that. And, and maybe, I don't know, listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe like, man, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. Like, how can I pray for you? And then as we do that, then this amazing thing happens and like words of worship come bubbling forth in our soul. And one of the, the primary ways God has designed for us to worship God is through our tongue, through our words, to like offer back words to our God that he is worthy and he is holy and there's no one else like him. And so that's why we spend a lot of time just speaking back words to God. And so I'm gonna pray for us, the worship team can cruise up and then let's just seek and abide in his presence right now as we respond to his word. Jesus, you, you are the word that became flesh, that came after us. You, Jesus, thank you that you love us in spite of ourself, in spite of my foolishness and all the trouble my tongue has gotten into. You still love me and you pursue me and you speak truth over me and you've called me to repentance. You've spoken your word, God, and And now because I've repented, you say, you are my son and I'm pleased with you and you are righteous in me. Jesus, now would we be able to do those two things? Would we respond rightly to your word? Would we be willing to not keep silent, to like speak and confess and minister and encourage one another, pray for one another? And then would we worship you, Jesus? You are so worthy of our worship right now. You are faithful to us. You are merciful to us, God. Thank you for your mercy over me. A foolish man like me, you've been merciful to me, God. Thank you that your word shows us how you've been merciful and patient with with so many foolish people, God. And, And there's not a person in this room who you aren't able to just forgive and love and speak truth over. So would we respond now to you, God, and to your word, to what you've spoken to us. Spirit, now come. And just minister to us as we, as we seek your presence together.